What if you were to listen to an internationally acclaimed, multi-award-winning illusionist, and he had something far more to say than, watch this trick? Rick Thomas is that performer, ready to go far beyond his magic and far beyond your imagination as he shares secrets regarding our dreams, dreams that can become reality. The future belongs to those who believe in the strength of their dreams. Dreams pass into the reality of action. From the action stems the dream again. And this interdependence produces the highest form of living. Join Rick and his co-host, award-winning broadcaster Tammy Trujillo. For nothing happens until you dream. Indulge your mind and take a journey never to be forgotten. A journey connecting all of our dreams as we chase them together. Rick, I know if I say this particular word, I'm going to get that big sigh out of you again, probably, but we're still talking about tigers. There's a lot to share. (laughs) And it being 20 years of my life Uh and my book being called The Tiger Whisker, some of it has to be about tigers. And yes, we will be discussing them. And as I share my stories, I hope that everybody realizes that every one of my stories I put in the book means something. It should mean something to you. Reflects on your life, not Mm -hmm. my life, yours as well. And so I worked really hard at making sure that my stories weren't just about me. Well, we're working on chapter 12 this week, and the title is great. Yes, teacher, she does have a pet tiger. This is a great story because your family, your kids grew up in an environment that I think most kids would just, you know, they'd give all their marbles for. Because it was different and exciting, and they did things that most kids, like 99.99999, et cetera, kids in the world will never get to do. Uh, I mean, <laughs> If you ask them while they were living it, though, hey, do you want to go see Dad's show? No. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, your dad and our parents are always a little bit, you know, eh. And plus, how many times had they seen the show? They probably saw it many times. Too many. Yeah. Yes, many, many times. I know. I know. We forced them into it. I can tell you this. The stories, maybe one or two of them that we share today have been said previously. They bear repeating Mm -hmm. because this one truly is all about not just me, but the effects that tigers had on others as well. Mm -hmm. Well, having tigers in your house certainly would change your dynamic just a little bit. But your tigers were... Outside, just to catch everybody up, you had an incredibly beautiful habitat with waterfalls and a pool and all the things. People don't know tigers love to swim. They love water. They had a hard time figuring out out in Indonesia how the tigers were found on different islands. And they realized that they actually swam to spread themselves throughout the area. Oh my gosh. Tigers do love to swim uh-huh. and they can swim great distance. So it's crazy. In fact, if you go online to rickthomas.com and the tiger section, once again, to get into that tiger section, you've got to literally find a picture of a tiger on my website. When you do click on it, I believe there is a video and pictures of the tiger swimming in the pool. Well, I knew tigers love to swim. I didn't know they could swim a distance like to go somewhere. I know they like to yeah. get in there and splash and play. Yes. I've seen yeah. that, and it, it's really cool to watch because most cats are not into water, but tigers are. But I didn't know they could swim to travel. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Wow. Well, your tigers needed to get in the water up there in Vegas because it's so darned hot. So you had this gorgeous habitat, but you also had the tigers when they were babies because you had baby tigers. 
little tiger cubs. Mm-hmm. They were they were in the house, which to me, I can't think of anything I'd love more. I raised fifteen tigers from their birth, wow. and they're like children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for those of you that have raised children. Have at it. Um, the problem with tigers <laughs> is that they never grow up, and you're raising a two-year-old the rest of their life. It's a bit of a handful, and they were great as part of the family. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a, a part of our lives that my children, believe it or not, talking about the show or the children not going to the show, even to this day, Miranda, Brandon, they literally lived with these tigers, and in the home, they rolled around and and played with them. And the tigers even slept with them in their beds when the tigers were cubs. And they now look back on it and cherish those memories and share them often with their friends. I'm very proud of that. And I'm proud that these are good memories that they remember working with these beautiful animals. Mm -hmm. Again, with them not wanting to come to the show, you're a star. And when people meet you, their, their eyes are, you know, sparkling because it's like, wow, I'm meeting Rick Thomas. But at home, I've seen you at your house. We've come over. You're just a guy named Rick who happens to be really tall. And (laughs) I mean, you're just a guy. And to the kids, you're just dad. So Mm -hmm. there's a way different dynamic that I think people don't understand when one of their parents is a superstar, is a celebrity, that once you come off stage, you're a guy named Rick and you're a guy named dad. And so it's a little bit different for the kids' relationship with you as a celebrity. It's like, yeah, my dad's Rick Thomas. Yeah, 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 kind of thing. Well, that's how my daughter was when, why this chapter was written. Yes, teacher, my she does have a pet tiger. Mm-hmm. Miranda went to her kindergarten class, and she was enjoying story time. Mm-hmm. And during the session, the teacher showed a picture of the tiger, or a tiger, and to all the children. And my daughter, Miranda, said, that's Samson. Oh, And the teacher said, what? And she repeated again, that's my pet tiger, Samson. And the teacher is kind of scratching their head. So imagine being a six-year-old child, mm-hmm. seeing a picture of a tiger that looks like daddy's tiger. Uh-huh. And then the teacher at that time actually scolded my daughter and told her in front of her classmates, what are you talking about? People don't have tigers as pets. Mm-hmm. And she says, I do. I have a pet tiger and his name is Samson. Well, Miranda had come home and said that she was upset that her teacher didn't believe she had a tiger. And then we got a hold of the teacher or the teacher got a hold of us. I can't even remember who got a hold of who, but I needed to straighten things out and Mm -hmm. do it fast. And I told the teacher that Miranda does have a pet tiger. I first of all asked her, I said, do you know who I am? And the teacher, she didn't know. I said, how long have you been in Las Vegas? And at that point, I believe it was about six months. Uh. And if she had just gotten to Vegas and she hadn't seen any of the shows, uh, I gave her the benefit of the doubt that she didn't know anything about me. But my billboards are all over Las Mm -hmm. Vegas, and it's Rick Thomas and his Tigers. So I said to her, Miranda does have a tiger, and if you'll do me a big favor, you need to apologize to her in front of the class for what you put her through. I was, you know, I did it in jest and I didn't make her, I don't think I made her feel bad. I tried to do it in a way where I understand that there was a misunderstanding. Uh And in fact, I even teased the teacher by telling the teacher, look, when you move to Las Vegas, it's required by law to have a tiger in your backyard. (laughs) And I said, I don't know if you know that or not, but you need to go out and get yourself a tiger so that you're (laughs) in compliance with uh, Las Vegas government. And she's like, you know, she's like not quite understanding Uh my jokes or or my play on it. I live with these animals and so did Miranda. And she felt that it was not a big deal. And when she talked about her tiger, Samson, she lives with tigers and 
as you put it, it's not really a big deal. Mm -hmm. She just wanted to let the teacher and the class know that she was proud that she had a tiger. Yeah, of course. But it is a big deal when a teacher tells you you're saying something untrue, you know, that, that especially at, at five, you know, because you want your teacher's approval at five. And Miranda was very proud to say, I have a tiger. And she expected everybody to go, oh, wow. And here's the teacher going, no, you don't. So I can only see where Miranda was upset. I got to ask, did you invite the teacher to your show to see the tigers? Always. Whatever I've got to do, I have the capability of offering tickets to people if I so desire. Mm -hmm. It is my privilege to do so, and I use it when I can. Uh So yes, it was one of those, we'd love to have you at the show. Come on out and see what Miranda's talking about. Mm -hmm. As I remember one of my teachers once, I missed school a lot because I was performing as a kid. And, you know, I'd come back from being gone for a week and the kids would, you know, where you been? I said, oh, I was doing this show, da, 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 da. And they're like, no, you didn't. You know, you just ditched. Yeah. And <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. The teacher didn't believe me. Nobody believed me. And I, this was fourth grade. And I remember, mm-hmm. fortunately, we were doing a show at the Long Beach Convention Center coming up. And I went home one day and I was pretty upset. I told my mom that I was never performing again, ever. Unless she got comp tickets to that show in Long Beach for everybody in my fourth grade class and their families and the teacher. Because I had to prove myself. I had to validate myself because my mom wasn't as you know, forward thinking as you of saying, hey, wait a minute. You know, my mom didn't intervene when I came home upset about this stuff. And she knew I wasn't kidding at that point. And my entire class was at that performance with my teacher. Oh. And they never give me any crap again. But you need to be vindicated when you're a kid because other kids can be kind of mean. It's fascinating how scarred mm-hmm. we can get yeah. as a child. Easily. And I, I know that actually in the show as well. There's a segment in the show where I bring a young boy up on stage and teach him how to make a girl float in the air. Right. Then another segment where I bring a girl on stage and tell her how to follow her dreams uh-huh. or suggest to her, this is this is what you need to do to follow your dreams. And these are very s- small moments in the show, but the segment with the little boy, they're between usually the age of five and 10 years of mm-hmm. age, the type of uh, boy I usually look to bring up on stage. And it is life-changing. You put them in front of people And they don't forget the moment. They never do. That being in front of the public, whether it be a little boy or little girl, it's life-changing. Why I say that and how I have to be careful with these children on stage is we hear the words, they are impressionable. Oh, yeah. That you can say something to them and it's going to be believed whether it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Or if you put them in a situation, it will damage them the rest of their life. Just like I trying to make my little sister disappear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) as previously discussed, Uh, it it damages you. So I was at a fall festival and there were two jugglers performing on this platform stage at the Mm -hmm. festival. And I'm, gosh, I don't know, probably seven or eight years of age. And they pick me out from the audience, get me up on the stage. I'm standing in the center of the two of them juggling pins between. So I'm in the middle of between these two jugglers and they're throwing pins back and forth. And I'm supposed to stand there and not move. Don't bend forward. Don't bend back. You'll get hit on the noggin, you know? So you're standing there and just frozen while they throw these pins at you. And that was frightening enough. And then they literally had me stand on the shoulders of one of the jugglers. 
I'm not joking this. They had me stand on their shoulders. They got me up there, lifted me up there. They were holding me tight. They did it so I couldn't fall. But I had never did something like that Uh before. So I'm standing on their shoulders, and now they're juggling one to the other, high and low, while I'm standing on their shoulders. Oh, dear. I was petrified. I bet. It was beyond my comfort zone. And to this day, that was an effect that was placed upon me that I wanted to make sure that I didn't put a child in that scenario where it was that type of response. Adults, I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> they can handle I'll put you, it. I'll make you do things in the show. I'll, I'll make you, yo. Know, they, they can kind of handle it. But for a child, the impressionable age, we need to really take mm-hmm. care of them and make sure we don't do too much to taint their childhood. Little tiny things. I remember when I'm maybe like three, and I remember being in the bathtub and my teenage brother, being a smart aleck, he had a balloon and he brought it in the bathroom for some reason. And I'm in the bathtub and he popped it in my face. He just popped it in mm-hmm. my face. To mm-hmm. this day, Rick... You can't get near me with a balloon. I, I am so scared of them. It's ridiculous. I think they're beautiful, but like you go to Disneyland, everybody's got a balloon. Oh, God, yeah, get away not from you. me. Uh-uh. I'm scared <laughs> to death of them from just my brother popping one in my face. But it, So how'd that happen with clowns? Is that why so many people are afraid of clowns when they're older? Because even though, you know, you go to a circus and you see clowns and the children, they run up to the children. Is it maybe it's just too frightening of an experience. I, think, I don't know what it is. Well, I'm not scared of clowns. For, I'm one of the few people, but I think it's because if you go <laughs> to the circus, and especially circuses of, you know, older circuses, when they really were more, you were one-on-one with the circus, you were right in there. I think it is because the clowns will run up on you and just get real close to you. And I think that's why a lot of people are scared of them because they run up to you. They violate your space, which a lot of other things don't do. That might be it. Of course, I'm scared of Pennywise, but short of that, <laughs> it's the only clown yeah. I'm scared of, the Stephen King scary one. But you know, it, it is funny how little tiny things when you're a kid, just like somebody popping a balloon in your face, or you with that juggling thing, they stay with you. And you would think, you know, people say, oh, just get over it, you were a kid. You can't just get over it. It's somewhere in you. You know, it's hiding in the back of your brain and it leaps out at certain times. It's weird. It's very strange. People love telling stories and some stories that are told to you, you probably can't take as truth. And I think that when Miranda said, I have a tiger, it was so shocking to the teacher. Mm -hmm. It just took her back. I just think that one of the things that you need to do is make sure that you don't jump to conclusions and then treat a person poorly because you don't think what they just said was right or or whatever it is. That teacher in front of all of her other classmates reprimanded Miranda. She could have called me and then found out, Mm -hmm. hey, your your daughter's this and that. But, But scolding her in front of the other students was what I remember Miranda had a challenge with, and that was oh, yeah. teacher making fun of her that she didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah, being a five-year-old, Miranda could have been referring to a stuffed tiger that she had. Because to mm. a five-year-old, their stuffed toys are real. They're, they're still real, yeah, especially in the dark. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. That's why little kids carry them around, because they're companions. They have a life, and a, they're a being. And so I think that teacher maybe was a very new teacher to five-year-olds, But five-year-olds have great imaginations. It could have been an imaginary tiger. 
you know, mm-hmm. that nobody else can see. You know, there's a lot of reasons that Miranda could have said that other than that she really had living, breathing tigers in her house that could have been very real to a five-year-old. So, Right. I, the conversation is, is get your facts straight Yeah, and, and don't open your mouth and put your foot in it before you find out everything you can about the scenario you're discussing. Yeah. Or don't uh, embarrass so. somebody in front of others. She could have said, well, isn't that nice, Miranda? And then later sit down with Miranda and say, now, wait a minute. What, what are you talking about with that tiger? Ugh. To me, that is the roughest thing is for anybody to correct. I know that all of us can say stories. I know that in public, sometimes one person, it's like when you see an accident on the highway and you ask everybody to give their story of what they saw. And if 10 people saw it, you got 10 different stories. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so when a person is sharing something in public or they're in a pu- in the public eye and then somebody comes up in any situation, uh, it could be a friend that comes up to you and they correct you in front of other people, uh-huh. that is overwhelmingly damaging to anybody. Do it in private. Grab mm-hmm. your friend, mm-hmm. pull them over by the ear and talk to them privately, mm-hmm. but try not to destroy your relationships in front of others to think that that will puff you up because it, it won't. No, it won't. And to that other person... You can shut somebody down so they don't share their stories anymore. They're scared to. They don't relate. And that's not fair to them because it's fun to tell your stories to each other. You know, it's it really is. That's how we connect. And you don't want to shut somebody down. And, and it can be to the point that people don't want to tell their stories anymore because they're scared of that repercussion. Well, I had yeah. a band director who was very kind to me and didn't uh-huh. tell me that until after I grew up. Uh, he, he, was, he, he was a good teacher. Okay. No, I say that he was a great teacher. Uh-huh. One of the things that I was going to talk about today also is mastering everything that you do, or mm-hmm. at least attempting to, to be your best at everything that you choose to do. It's important to, when you jump into something, give it all you've got and not give up too quickly. But I played the trombone for 16 years, and I was, in fact, even the senior soloist for my high school. And I, to this day, appreciate my knowledge of the trombone because it taught me music, and Mm -hmm. music is a big part of my magic. Mm -hmm. I create my shows often by hearing or listening to music first and designing Mm -hmm. what I have around the music that was created. So I needed that. I needed those years in high school and college to learn this beautiful part of the arts and the industry, and that's music. But my high school teacher, Mr. Phil Wyatt, he was a good teacher because he told all of us how great we were, how wonderful we were going to be, and and constantly pushed us to the limits. Mm -hmm. And he really did. He was an exceptional marching band director as well. He'd have us out there at 7 a.m. in the morning, Mm -hmm. 6.30 a.m. in the morning. There was dew all over the grass. We'd get (laughs) soaked in. I'm just, oh, what memories I have of marching on the grass before it was even dry for the day. Day and he being out there every day with us. But I went to a reunion and mm-hmm. Mr. Wyatt simply said, you know, Rick, this whole magic thing you were doing, he said, I couldn't tell you then, but I can tell you now, I really thought that you had no chance whatsoever to reach your goals or become who you are. And it was just casual, casual conversation, but he had personal thoughts in his head mm-hmm. that said, Rick, what are you doing? Really? What are you thinking? But he never shared it with me because as a child, he allowed me to let my dreams run wild. Thank goodness. And I think that more than anything, we've got to not 
damage what the youth know, Mm -hmm. and that is anything is possible. No one should tell you you can't do something. Mm -hmm. As children, anything can happen as a child. And then as we grow older as adults, we then learn that life can get in the way and it can be a massive challenge and that not everything comes true. But don't ruin it as a child. And so I commend him. I commend people who were there when I was a child in my life and were positive in everything I tried to do and let me be me. So uh, as far as, as other people, don't take away other people's dreams. Don't destroy those dreams by saying you can't do it. This is ridiculous. What a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole world that we live in is awesome because we have such diversity. And we have so many people doing what they want to do in life and what makes them happy. I praise people like uh, Mr. Phil Wyatt by not destroying my wish, want, and desire to be a magician. Mm -hmm. That's why my mother, when she actually took away my magic, I had done something wrong and she took my magic away from me for like a month or two. She, to this day, apologizes. I'm so sorry. I could have ruined your life. I could have ruined your career. But I, I commend people. So be one of those people that are positive in other people's lives. Tell them that you believe in them and give them the opportunity to find out on their own if what they're pursuing is going to be a a grand success for them, but but don't take it away before they even get there. He was very wise not to do that. He was very wise to keep that in the back (laughs) of his head. I wonder what what effect it would have had on you if he'd said, you know, Rick, becoming a world-famous magician, your chances are about, you know, zero. This is zero. I wonder what that would have done. I wonder what your response would have been, because you were in high school already, so you did have a pretty good sense of self. I wonder. Right. I wonder. What do you think? I... You respected uh, it, him a lot, and that means... I did. That was my problem. Though I don't say it was a problem. I had massive respect mm-hmm. for him and still do. And for that reason, I wonder or worry, I think that things could have been damaging because uh-huh. I listened to him. He right. guided me. He was uh, one of those that I looked up to and I wanted to be like. Those are amazing people in your life. Thank you, teachers. Mm-hmm. Thank you, teachers, for being positive in our lives. And with the challenges we're all facing today, be a teacher for good. Make sure you're teaching your children proper ways to live their life and let them govern themselves. It's a big saying that I have. It says, teach them right and correct principles, Mm -hmm. but let them then guide their own lives once they've been taught. You can't have your thumb over them their whole life. No, I've told that to my college students. I've had students who actually have taken broadcasting courses and told me they hide their books because they don't want their parents knowing they're going into something like broadcasting because their parents want them to be accountants or, you know, this right. nurses yep. and nothing against accountants and nurses. But if that's not your dream, you don't want to be one. And they've told me they have to hide their books on broadcasting because their parents are going to get angry. They're taking something so frivolous. And what I tell them is I say, well, your parents, first off, only care about your best interest. They want you to have a successful life, but it's your life. <laughs> And you have to make the choice. <laughs> I'm laughing because <laughs> what? I'm laughing because my son. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you flat out. So what were Brandon and I doing at two o'clock in the morning? I'm wondering. PlayStation. He's in Hawaii. He's in college right now. Uh-huh. He's in his fourth year. Okay, just about to graduate. Oh. and we were playing online together and help. <laughs> He was helping me beat some bosses. And for those of you who play games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. As a father, I needed my son to step in and help me because I am useless on the controls. And he had to kind of teach me how to beat up a boss. 
Huh. Anyway, I have no idea that what being you the just case, said, but okay. You don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Some people do. It's a good relationship I have with my son. It gives us an opportunity to chat, have a good time, and talk to each other, uh-huh. father to son. But we're talking about his college mm-hmm. and his degree that he's getting, and he's getting it in computer science. Yeah. But he said something, and I'm going to say this to my son. He probably didn't even realize what he was saying. And thank goodness I'm an adult. It was not a big deal. You know, because his college right now is really tough. I commend him. I congratulate him. I'm so thrilled for him that he is accomplishing these goals and he's getting through his college. And it's really tough courses. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about college. And I said, yes, I, I said, sometimes I have nightmares. And I wake up in the middle of the night thinking that someone's going to tell me that I never actually graduated from college because I missed like one class or I failed one class that I didn't have a proper record of, so my college degree is nothing. And he says, kind of under his breath, he goes, yeah, your journalism degree. Oh. (laughs) No, 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 I don't take it in a bad way. (laughs) He was just trying to explain to me, yes, I have a degree in public relations, and I'm very proud of it because it came from the school of Fullerton. Yes, mine too. I think it was just a funny moment where he says, oh yeah, dad, (laughs) your degree and my degree are like two different worlds. Uh, So I am proud of him and and follow his dreams. Awesome. As far as jumping back, playing the trombone, when I jumped into learning an instrument, I wanted to be the best I could. And I think I met my goals when I was in high school. And this is going to really date me. Roller skating was a big deal. And we used to roller skate after school almost every day. And I thought, I well, hey, I'm roller skating. I might as well be really good at it. Uh-huh. And I began competing in speed skating and, oh, wow. and it was a blast. So it was another thing that I took in my life and I just went for it. And saying this because I want everybody, when you think about your hobbies or what you have a passion for in life, you've got to decide on not just doing it, but doing it all the way. Make sure that you don't give up easily. My sister and I, Tamara, competed in also ballroom dance throughout our youth and teens. We were taught by my grandmother. My parents taught it. My grandparents taught it. And they forced ballroom dancing on my sister (laughs) and myself. They truly did. That was their passion. That was their life. They loved ballroom dancing. They lived ballroom dancing. They taught it. They had thousands of students. And how far did my sister and I go? We became U.S. ballroom dancing champions in our youth in ballroom dancing because it was a decision that was made. It was a goal that was chosen, and we went for it. Mm -hmm. Not every one of my choices in my life become championship choices, but I think that there are things when you make a decision in life to do something, go for it. Become great at something. Oh, I agree. There's a great picture in the book, by the way, of you and Tamara holding, I, I can't even count, it's like six or seven trophies. It's, it's a great picture. It's its just adorable. But see, I'm jealous because I wanted to learn ballroom dancing so bad. I still can't. I still can't do it. I, I know that there's to. a story back in there. You got to tell me. You were just chatting briefly about it and I didn't get the whole story. And you said the name Calls. Yeah. You said the name Calls and I said, what? Uh So finish the story and tell me what that's all about. Well, here's the deal. Everybody knows you and I grew up very close together, probably within a mile or two of each other growing up in Long Beach. You went to Jordan. I went to Pauly High School. And I went to Granger Dance Academy for TAP because of the Uh work that I was doing as a child. That's where we trained. And my girlfriend, Judy, in junior high school, went to Calls. 
And she had this ballroom dancing going on, and I wanted to do it so badly. And my mom was like, no, 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 no. You've got enough with what you're doing over at Granger's. And I finally convinced her one day. I said, please, mom, please. And she called, and she made an appointment over there for me for a class. And I convinced her that it wouldn't take away from my rehearsals with what I was doing for my working and all of that. And we set out to go to calls. We couldn't find it. It was over on the other side of Long Beach. We could not find it. And, you know, there was no phones and GPS and stuff. We couldn't. And my mom got mad after a while of trying to find it. And we went home. And I remember I was crying my eyes out because this was my shot to get my ballroom dancing. And it never came as a topic again. So my mom's like, I don't know where it is. And that was it. End of conversation. So Chloe Call, Uh the owner of the Chloe Dance Cotillions, and she had like, 3,000 students. Oh I mean, there were a lot of students. Wow. My grandmother, Iona Enter, and my parents, Rob and Carol Thomas, were the directing instructors of the call mm. studios. That's where Tamara and myself were forced into dancing. I mean, we were there constantly. And then we also became instructors as well. I think that it was great that it was forced on me. I mm-hmm. Again, that dancing career was part of what made me who I am today. Oh, yeah. I can tell you this. What fascinates me as an adult now is looking back on all the things that I have done, whether it was the playing the trombone or roller skating after school at the uh, roller skating rink or the ballroom dancing, whatever it was, those things make you who you are today. Mm -hmm. That includes the school that you go to and all the things that you learn. I know that this is basic, but when I say it to you and you think about it, you are who you are because of the things that you've pursued throughout your life. And that's why when you make those decisions, it's important to give it all you've got. And when you look back on it, it's amazing what you are or who you are because of the experiences that you've had. So mm-hmm. make, make those choices wisely. Mm-hmm. But literally, uh, was I the best? Was I the best at everything? Absolutely not. No way. But I knew that I had given it everything I had. And when I made choices to do something in my life, I just didn't give up the first go around when something failed. Oh, here's a saying that I heard today that was unique. I'm That's not going to get it right. But it's the concept itself. Uh-huh. It said... When you meet somebody who has failed or you see somebody who has failed, Mm -hmm. that means they are doing things and pursuing goals greater than they are at that moment. Got it. I know it's not as eloquent as I know it was properly said, but the point is when someone fails, you should applaud that person because they are doing something. Mm -hmm. They're trying. They are trying to do something beyond where they're already at Mm -hmm. to make them a better person. Failure isn't failure. Failure is telling you that that person has the, the will, the substance to be able to stand up there willing to fail and do something great. Yep. How great were you the first time you picked up a trombone? Uh, <laughs> we all know. Horrible. Yep. <laughs> How many parents had to listen to their children play the violin? Oh, oh dear. goodness. My first night yeah. on the air was a nightmare. It was terrible. The jock going off even stayed with me for two hours, reaching over me, pushing buttons on the board because I was frozen. And the whole next day I waited for the phone to ring 
saying, don't bother to come back. But it never rang. But it was a nightmare. But it got better. It got better and better and better. And obviously, I've made a career of it. Our first attempt at everything is going to be somewhat awful. The trick Mm -hmm. is sticking with it and Mm -hmm. learning and getting better as you go. The, the sticking with it part, that that's the tricky. That's the tricky one. I think when you have kids and they have lessons, you know, sometimes I bet you griped about going over to your lessons. I know I did. I wanted to go mm-hmm. play. But learning to follow through, that's what lessons teach a kid, to stick with it and follow through. And I think you combine those two things, and now you've got an adult who can really, you know, achieve something. So, it, you know, a lot of this stuff that you learn as a kid even if it's, you know, like you're not going to be, you know, you did not have a career as a trombone player. That was not the idea. Nope. Nope. But you know why? Well, in that particular scenario and story, I was playing the trombone. I loved knowing music and Uh understanding it. We were playing for one of the musicals at school. Okay. And I was in the orchestra in the pit and I'm playing in the orchestra and I'm looking up on the stage and I'm seeing the people act (laughs) on the stage. And in my personal life, I Uh said, wow, I want to be there. That's Uh where I'd like to be. And so for that reason, I pursued being on the stage. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the world of magic. Mm -hmm. But without the knowledge and the depth that I understand music and the flow of just movement on stage, it wouldn't have been gifted to me Mm -hmm. without my opportunity and pursuing and being the best I could be at being part of the music industry. And that's (laughs) playing the trombone. (laughs) Well, you do make a lot of the music for your show. You create it. I do my best. Here's another thing. Uh, Success is how well you hide your sources. Uh, Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yes, that's true. So, And you know what? Also, no man or woman is an island. I repeat this over and over again because it's true. You can't do things totally on your own. There are some people out there that are absolutely amazingly gifted. I look at now bringing up computer games again. The games that I watch today and play or even movies. Let's just go to movies industry. If some of you are like Rick, you play games. Okay, let's <laughs> let's watch a movie. Okay. You know my favorite part of watching a movie is the credits. Yes. And I wish that I more people too. would sit there at the end of the movie and just watch the credits. Uh-huh. Yes. The movie was phenomenal. But I want you what I want you to do is of course that the credits go by so fast mm-hmm. you can't read the names. And you know why? Because of the amount of people it took to make the movie. Oh, yeah. When you sit there, so don't read just names. Just sit there and count names. Mm-hmm. Count if as you fast. Can. And it's going to go by so fast, you're going to say, okay, there were 100 people on that page. Okay, there were 100 people on that. And I'm going to tell you now, most of the movies today take an average somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 people to make a movie. I or that. a computer game. Mm-hmm. Imagine 2,000 people together, pooling their talents, their resources, and who they are to make something. So sometimes when I'm extremely depressed at not accomplishing everything I've wanted in my life, I will watch a movie and then count all the people it took to do so and then say, wow, I didn't do too bad just being myself. Exactly. (laughs) So, so, you know, look at what you're doing as an individual Mm -hmm. and then realize as you put that together with other great people around you that, you know, sometimes your goals are going to need other people's dreams as well. You need to join together with those people and work together. Sometimes I, you know, I look at just the quality of a production. I go, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then I go, thank goodness, 
I can keep my feet on the ground by realizing how many people it really took to make it that great mm-hmm. uh, and not look so much on myself and say, why can't I do that? Well, I can, but I can't do it all by myself. Well, we can't do every single thing. We need to bring in people with their, with their specialties. Everybody has their thing. And the cool thing is when you combine them all, you get something amazing. But everybody mm. brings their thing to the table. And that's what makes something really fantastic is it's, it's everybody's effort. I love that. Well, the podcast wouldn't be a podcast without you. Well, so there thank you, go. you so much. I appreciate that. You put this together for me. And uh, again, I thank you on the air oh. uh, personally for your efforts and forcing me <laughs> into making a podcast. It took a little And here we time. are. Once again, <laughs> grand success. It took a little doing, but we got it done, which is exciting. So we have something else that's really exciting coming up. And boy, it's coming up fast, Rick. And we've got our details ready because... Something else that you are very good at is dealing with precious metals. We're talking gold and silver, and you've learned a lot about how this can really ensure your future, which is really exciting in today's economy because it is a mess, and it doesn't look like it's going to straighten out anytime soon. So we've got our webinar coming up on November 6th. And this, this is going to be cool. This is going to be very cool. You're going to teach people a lot of things. I am. I'm excited about it. Maybe delve into something you've never considered that before, and that is actual precious metals. If you don't hold it, you don't own it. Uh-huh. It's exciting once you start investing a little bit into those commodities. It's exciting just to diversify what you have. So we're going to have a lot of fun. And you know what? It's just me telling you what I know and I've learned to help my family. And I think it will be awesome for you as well. How many movies have you watched and it's all about gold and silver? Oh, tons. Yeah. <laughs> tons. tons. It's because it's because everybody knows that you have to have some and they need to get some. They just don't know how. Right. And it's not robbing a bank. <laughs> no. So Good idea. And I'll give you a secret. I'll tell you right now, flat out. If you took a brick of gold to a bank uh-huh. and you asked them to deposit it, they would look at you, scratch their head and say, we don't know what to do with this. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this is part of what the Zoom's going to be about. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you right now, they're lying to you. Huh. The bank knows exactly what to do with your gold and silver. They do not want to tell you. Those that are collecting gold and silver right now in the world, those who are hoarding gold and silver in the world are the rich countries across the world and banks. Hmm. They are getting as much real, tangible assets as they possibly can. But you can't take a bar of gold and go down to the bank and cash it in. They'll tell you it's just we don't know how to deal with it, but they do. And they're not going to. It's not That's not the way they're set up. But as far as those who are in the know, those who understand what this is, they are hoarding it. And so I want you to hoard it as well. And also, just to throw it out there, if you were to grab a brick of gold today, it's somewhere around $60,000. Oh, my gosh. For a brick of gold. Well, you and I were talking about silver the other day, and you told me how much it's gone up. In mm. just a short amount of time, it was crazy. Like 30% in a month or In a two. month. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is important stuff to understand. It's a little confusing. I know that. I'm learning as I go, too. And that's what we're going to do on November 6th. So it's going to be on Zoom. It's at 5 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And we have the link for you in the show notes for the podcast. 
You'll also find it on Rick's social media and mine as well, because we really want you to join us. And you're going to learn some interesting things and get to see some magic. I mean, come on. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and- and just as I said earlier in the podcast about knowing it all, do I know? Am I the best at all of this that I share with you? No. But I will tell you what I know. I will tell you my words of wisdom. And it's just a great way for me to stay in touch with people and do something good for others. I'll put it down on the calendar now, November 6th. It's a Sunday, 5 o'clock Pacific, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, in the show notes. And Rick, I'm looking forward to it because I know I'm going to learn some stuff too. Oh, you're going to love it. The stories are great. The information is rock solid, and I'm looking forward to it as well. Finally, we have the date. Be there. Enjoy the ride with me, and I'll share with you some great information. And we'll see some magic. I mean, what could be better, right? Oh, there you go. See? We're bribing them. I know, but it works. (laughs) (laughs) The magic is great. I'll tell you that. You'll love the magic. You'll enjoy it. Thanks for joining us this week on Nothing Happens Until You Dream, starring Rick Thomas and featuring Tammy Trujillo, and is based on Rick Thomas's best-selling book, The Tiger Whisker, available on rickthomas.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out on Patreon for exclusive members-only content. Stay up to date with Rick and Tammy at nothinghappensuntoyoudream.com. Remember, you must follow your dreams, not only for yourself, but for the rest of our future. We'll see you on the next episode.